0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to The Doug Show. This is Doug Cunnington. This is episode one, and we're going to talk about affiliate marketing and Amazon affiliate marketing. So let's get to it. Yeah, that is some high energy intro music. I hope I can keep up with it. Before I get into uh, the content today, which is affiliate marketing and Amazon affiliate marketing, let's do a quick few housekeeping items here so number one for show notes and other links please go to doug.show that's it it's just doug.show and in the show notes there will be a link to download a free pdf of a more detailed process than what we're going to go through for affiliate marketing so be sure to check out the link there as this is the first episode i'm still feeling things out the way it'll work today is I'll do a bit of a monologue here where I'm just going to talk about affiliate marketing and that sort of thing. I'm also going to have a uh, little segment where my wife joins me. We're going to talk about resolutions and sort of themes for goals uh, each month and a uh, Our dog Georgie joins us. You'll hear her squeaking her toy in that short conversation. And then finally at the end, I'll cover a couple frequently asked questions about affiliate marketing and Amazon affiliate marketing. So those should be really good. Um, Those questions will actually be the super common one. Should I start an Amazon affiliate site? And then another one is around how much affiliate sites earn with uh, like Amazon associates. So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's start with an introduction to affiliate marketing. In general, this is how it works. If you recommend a product to someone and they make a purchase after using your affiliate link, then you get a commission. The concept is very simple, but it could be new to you. Now, I was right there with you. When I first found affiliate marketing and making money online, it was through the Smart Passive Income podcast, and that was back in 2013. Now, I didn't know anything about affiliate marketing at the time or actually anything about WordPress, making money online, or niche sites in general. There are a lot of affiliate programs out there. And for example, you can work with a like big marketplace like Sale, and they match up marketers with retail companies. There are also marketplaces that have mostly a focus on like information products and software like ClickBank or Commission Junction. And there are other programs with like big retailers like Walmart and Target and Amazon. So as you can imagine from the title and- i've been talking about amazon is sort of my go-to so amazon's program is called the amazon associate program now just in general outside of affiliate marketing i prefer to shop on amazon i like to order stuff online versus going to a physical store for like 90 percent of the things that i buy and that's probably one of the main reasons why i like amazon so much there are pros and cons for working with Amazon. So let's hit the pros first. People do buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. You get a commission for all the products in someone's order, not just the item that you link to. Amazon has a extremely diverse range of products and you could market the products using a blog, which is kind of my main uh, content outlet. Also, you could use YouTube, social media, and uh, I guess there's probably some other online things you could do, but that covers the majority of it. So, a blog, YouTube, and social media. Now, cons for using Amazon the commission rate is lower than other programs. And uh, in the show notes, I'll I'll paste a link to the latest commission rates, but in general, you get paid anywhere from like 1% to 10%, and it depends on the category that the product is in. Now, again, you do get a commission for all the products in someone's order, but it does depend on what category that specific product came from. Other cons, while there's a lot of rules to follow with the operating agreement, too many to go into now, but some some of them in general are around uh, usage of images, listing prices, and there are just special rules that you need to follow. And the last con that I'll mention is you can't use email marketing directly for Amazon uh, associates. Now let's get into the four main phases of an Amazon affiliate site, or at least launching one. Now, if you're experienced with niche sites and you already know the steps, it is possible that you may have a hard time explaining to other people what you do or you know what you're interested in trying if you haven't started a site yet. So hopefully these four steps will simplify the process um, for them and whenever you need to explain it to someone. Now, the caveat here is we're you know we could divide the four steps into like hundreds of steps, which I have done in other areas as far as like a task list, but. This is a high overview just to give you the, you know, the main points. So, again, you could use these ideas, uh, maybe you even send this podcast over to your parents or your friends or maybe even your spouse to explain this. Hopefully, I hope this is a simpler way. So, quick note, I am a project manager by trade. I did software project management for something like 10 years. And I'm a PMP also, and that's a project management professional. Um, I got laid off a few years ago back in 2015. So when I talk about these phases, it's very much in a framework of project management. I'm not going to go deep into the lingo and the corporate jargon of project management because it's boring, but keep it in mind that this is a well thought out process. It's been used uh, and refined and repeated over and over again. And I'm really just dividing it up into the major areas so you'll have a better idea on what to focus on in certain phases. So here are the four main phases. So number one, pick a niche. Number two, you set up your site and you're probably gonna use WordPress. Uh, Number three, you're gonna be posting and publishing content. And number four is to get traffic to your site by promoting and doing outreach. Now, that was super simplified, so we're gonna dive into each one of these steps a little bit more deeply. So number one is choosing your niche. And it sounds simple, especially if you've already done this sort of process before. it, it sounds easy, but a lot of people get stuck on this step. Now, one of the reasons why is it's one of the most important phases of the process. And every single part of the rest of your niche site process is dependent on choosing a niche that targets a willing group of buyers. So basically, if you're the kind of person who experiences um, paralysis by analysis where you can't quite make a decision you keep researching ad nauseum you just research more and more and you try and figure things out perfectly before you take action this is the step that you may get stuck on in fact i've worked with a lot of people where they basically just kept doing research in fact, maybe even for a couple of years. And they were literally experts on the whole process. They understood all the steps. They knew um, all the vocabulary around affiliate marketing, but they just never picked a niche because they were scared that they would make the wrong decision. So if I haven't scared you yet, then um, hopefully, hopefully no one else will. But basically, you can't make this work if you don't have a commercially viable niche or market. So this is what I like to say, you should be intercepting a customer on the way to make a purchase on Amazon. So the people visiting your website will be buying something no matter what. You just need to help them make that buying decision. And by the way, that is the value that we're bringing to the world, right? It doesn't feel good if you're gonna start a website, publish um, you know, information that's not helpful for someone and you're not really helping anyone at all. So you don't wanna do that the value that you're bringing to the world, the value that you're bringing to the internet is someone's trying to pick out, for example, the best ballpoint pen for note taking or something like that, and then you're gonna help them make a decision based on their needs and what you know and what research has been done on the topic of choosing such a wonderful pen. So you're helping them make a buying decision. That's the whole point. So there are three main things that you need to keep in mind so that you can confidently create a site and, like around the Amazon affiliate program. So a couple of the things you want to think about are the products in the niche available on Amazon, right? So that's the most obvious thing. Next, is it big enough? So there's a couple of things that you'll need to uh, think about with that, but is the niche big enough? Uh, the third main thing is is the competition, level acceptable. So the first one's pretty easy. You can just go over to Amazon and start browsing around for products. I recommend you take a look at some products that you're interested and or familiar with already and start looking at the category, uh, other products within the category, and you'll get an idea if there are uh, products available. Most of the time, I mean, Amazon basically has everything, so it would be surprising if Amazon doesn't have the product, unless it happens to be some sort of uh, like highly controlled item, like like drugs or firearms, which you know that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, within a few minutes of uh, browsing around on Amazon, you'll see um, other related products on the product pages. And in less than an hour, I would think you could generate a list of dozens of products on Amazon. Now, as far as the competition level, um, that's a little bit more difficult. That's more in depth, but a lot of times you could just um, Google some terms and then figure out like what other sites are out there. And I would say most of the time, unless it's a super highly competitive um, niche, you're probably gonna have some wiggle room if you niche down far enough. Now, talking about niching down far enough and doing the research, keyword research is huge, and that could be a course all on its own, a full course, but the one thing that I will introduce you to here in a very, uh, I guess, brief way is the keyword golden ratio. And the keyword golden ratio is a concept that I created around finding keywords that are underserved on the internet. It is a data-driven way, it is a manual way to look up keywords that literally don't have enough results on the internet. So again, it's going to be um, just a brief introduction, but it's a data-driven way to find keywords that are underserved on the internet. And there are many videos on YouTube. Again, I'll put some links in the show notes so that you can um, See me uh, explain the process and show you how to find keywords. But there are many different keyword tools that you may use out there, and just about any of them are fine. I'm not a huge um, proponent of any one keyword research tool, but it's more about how you use the tools and what you do with the information. So, overall, For selecting a niche, you have to figure out if the products are available on Amazon, if the niche is big enough, and you use keyword research to find out how many people are searching for a term uh, for a particular niche, and then figure out if the competition level is acceptable. So the next thing in the process is setting up your site. It's fairly straightforward. It's less of uh, an art and research and more of a science, and you can pretty much treat this mechanically um, if you've created a website before you could probably do this in a couple hours or so you need to choose a domain name so that maybe is the creative part you need to pick a domain name you need to set up a hosting account and then set up a wordpress site which in most cases takes like under five minutes you could just click a button in, on your hosting account and wordpress is installed and then after that, you need to select a WordPress theme. Which this is another area which I don't say you have to use X theme. You don't have to use a particular theme. Um, there are some themes that are better than others, but some of my some of my early sites I just used use the free WordPress theme that is included. Whenever you install WordPress, and I just use that because it was the simplest one to use. And in my opinion, communicating clearly is more important than having a, a flashy website with sexy formatting. As far as choosing a domain name, I don't recommend you use like an exact match domain name. And that would be the situation where you put your keyword into your domain name. I don't recommend that. That was a popular way to do it, maybe like eight to 10 years ago. It's kind of an old school way that's not effective anymore Um, or at least it's not the smart way to go. I'll put it that way. It may may work out fine but an example would be best ballpoint penforjournaling.com. You're kind of painting yourself in a corner and I think when I say it like that you can see that you can't really expand out very much. So I don't recommend exact match domains. Further, just pick something brandable find something that's easy to spell, maybe not confusing to say out loud. Um, You don't want it to be complicated where it's hard for people to figure out. And shorter is better just in general. So after that, step three is about publishing content. This is a crucial step to master, and it's going to take a while, right? Um, If you haven't done much writing, it's going to be like climbing a mountain, it's it's gonna seem very difficult. But the good part is you can hire people. So it, when I first started, I wrote most of the content, like 90% of the content myself. And then after I started making a little bit of money, then I started hiring writers to do the work for me. Again, the great part is there are uh, marketplaces out there like Upwork, where you could hire just freelance writers, uh, work with them directly and you have the protection of working via the Upwork platform. So you have some protection. Um, the the writer and freelancer, they would have protection too. So you put money in escrow, they are not paid until you approve the content or whatever work you're having done. So again, there's good protection for the, the freelancer and for you. So I, I really like using Upwork. I find you can get really good writers um, for, you know, fairly good prices. You could hire people located in the U.S. or North America or in Asia or Europe or wherever you want someone to be located. Me personally, I don't care where someone's located. I just want to make sure that they can write well, using you know the right lingo, using uh, the right. Uh, American English and vernacular and all that stuff so again I don't really care where they're located now further if you don't want to work with someone directly like on Upwork there are services out there that you can hire where they assign you a project manager and you work with a project manager and they work with the writers and they manage the process and the schedule and all that It costs more, right, because they're doing more of the admin and management, but it's easier for you. So if you have more money than time, one of those services uh, could be a good way to go. So the last step is around getting traffic, all right? So it can seem difficult. In fact, there's a huge industry around getting traffic to your site called SEO, Search Engine Optimization. Since this is a high level overview, I won't go too, too deep into the different things you can do to get traffic, but before we get into that, I will mention that the keyword golden ratio does help tremendously in getting some traffic to your site. A lot of times you can get traffic to your site just by publishing KGR or keyword golden ratio content and not getting any backlinks to your site. So. Here's the thing. When you start your new site, you're going to publish content and the question is, are people going to find it? Now, if you use the KGR, a few people will, but the real magic is when you can rank in Google for higher search volume terms. And generally, if you want to rank well, you need to have really good content. That's the price of entry. And then it also helps to have backlinks pointing to your site. Content and backlinks are the two main things that Google uses, the two main things that Google use to help rank your site. Now, there are over 200 factors, but those two are the main ones. I like to keep things simple, and as I mentioned, since this is a an overview, I will keep this straightforward. My general thought around promoting the site is around high-touch outreach and guest posting. The two-step process Again, it's two steps, but you could divide it up into many more once you get pretty granular, but you network within your niche or a related niche, and then you ask to guest post on someone's site. And if you are unfamiliar, guest posting is basically writing a blog post and then it's published on someone else's site. It's kind of like uh, if I have a guest on the podcast or if I'm a guest on other podcasts, Um, I'm putting out content on someone else's platform. That's the idea. The benefit of publishing a guest post on someone else's site is typically you will get at least one backlink from that person's site to your site, which is helpful. Again, one of the top two things that Google uses to rank your site um, in the search results. So. To break it down a little bit farther and give you a little bit more help, the longer you spend on like the first step, which is networking within your niche, the better you're going to do, the higher conversion rate you will have when you ask to guest post. It's really all about networking, and it'll set you apart from the competition. In fact, in most cases, if you spend a whole lot of time on the networking, if you're actually making friends with a blogger, your competition won't be able to replicate your links. Now, the really good part is for step one with the networking, you can do some really simple stuff. So my number one go-to is to comment on their blog. You can read one of the recent posts, leave an intelligent comment, interact with them a couple times, just via the blog comments. Another idea, actually, we'll go through several here. So um, the next idea is around emailing the blogger. So you can sign up for their email list, for example, and then reply back to one of their emails. As a person who has an email list, I can tell you that I read 100% of the email responses that I get back. I reply back to most of them, but I I, uh, read 100% of them. Next, you can share the blogger's content on social media. So... I love it when someone shares my stuff and I know everyone else does too. So if you um, just share their content, especially on a platform that they are active on, they're going to notice. Just be sure you tag them and you could even have a little back and forth with them. You could leave a comment on one of the posts um, that, that they put on social media too. Again, a lot of people do read the social media posts. Further, a lot of times on social media, there is some sort of chat or direct messaging, um, I guess, channel that you can contact them. So all you have to do is ping them. Now, some people may be super busy, right? And they may get hundreds of direct messages and they may not be able to DM you back right away. Um, They may not be able to DM you at all. But if you leave a good message, a lot of times they will see it. Another great idea is to link to the blogger on your site. So you can feature them, again for example, you could create a post that is the top five YouTubers and Instagram people that you should follow in 2019 around ballpoint pens. That is a weird example, but I think you get the point. You can link to their site and then you can let them know. Again, you can share the content on social media and then tag them. You can shoot them an email and say, hey, I featured you on here, just wanted to let you know, I wanted to get your permission or something like that. Of course, they want to be mentioned, but you could frame it as a question, all right? So you could frame it as a question and get their permission and they're gonna say, sure. Um, And if it's a good piece of content, they might share it. Now, the fun thing about those few things that I mentioned there, I think there were like four or five, you're just being nice. You're being cool. You're trying to be friendly. You're trying to make friends with someone online. That's great. You're just, you're helping them out. It's really important to spend time being friendly versus saying, Hey, I want to post on your website, or why don't you link to my website person that I don't know and never have emailed before. That's not cool. Most people are going to delete those messages. So if you put the time in a Like early, you put the time in doing something nice for someone, they will notice and they will potentially reciprocate. After you spent some time building the relationship, you can ask to guest post on the person's site. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. I recommend you head over to uh, the show notes or niche site project, which is where I blog, and you can uh, download a lot of the emails and scripts that I've used to land hundreds of guest posts. While I have gotten hundreds of guest posts, I've also been rejected many, many times. So that is something you will have to get used to. Basically, you're going to get rejected way more times than you will be accepted. Like maybe seven to 10 more times, um, you're probably going to hear a rejection. And sometimes that will come in the form of just being ignored. In fact, a lot of times people will just ignore you. Now, again, if you spend the time building the relationship, you're going to be in much better shape. People don't want to disappoint their friends. And if you are friends with someone online through the networking, it's just, it's the fact that you're going to get more acceptances. Now, At worst, they will say, uh, hey, I I politely declined or something like that, but they won't be mean about it. Now, I used to send a lot of emails before I kind of refined this process. I would send hundreds of emails and sometimes people were pretty rude about it. And I got the hint, right? I understood that I was going about it the wrong way and I really needed to spend time building the relationship. And to give you an idea, um, I went from something like a you know, a two to 5% success rate to some of the more recent campaigns that I've done with guest posting, I've been able to get like 30 to 50% conversion rate because I spent the time building the relationship. The blogger knew who I was because I commented on their blog. I sent them emails. I shared their stuff. So if you do spend the time, it really will pay off. Here's a quick recap of the four main steps for an Amazon affiliate site. Number one, find a niche that will consist of doing keyword research, and this step takes a little time because uh, everything else is dependent on selecting a niche, which is viable and hopefully profitable. Step number two is to set up your site. Luckily, this is a lot more mechanical, and you can pretty much follow a process to set up a site, and it should just take you a couple hours. Step three is to publish content. This could take a while if you have to write it yourself. It also could be a little challenging if you're hiring freelancers for the very first time. Again, you can get all the templates that I use for hiring on Upwork, and that includes the job listing correspondence that I use, and I also include a template that you can supply to the writers so it's a little bit easier for them to produce the content that you can publish on your site. Further, you could use those templates uh, just for your own writing. And the fourth step is around promotion and outreach, and in general, the goal there is to get backlinks to your site and to let other people know about your site who may be influential in some way. My wife, Elizabeth, and I had a chat on New Year's Day, so here it is. All right, so I'm hanging out with uh, my wife, Elizabeth, and her dog, Georgie, so if you hear a squeaky toy, that is Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Georgie has this new toy that uh, she got for, I guess, uh, is it like Christmas, or what, what was the occasion? Just
1: because we love her.
0: And it's, uh, she picked it out herself, and Elizabeth was walking Georgie at the time.
1: Yeah, she. Um, we let her peruse the aisles. She likes to smell everything, but she went for this green squeaky broccoli toy. It's got a nice little face on it. It's got the florets and then some spikies on the stalks. And so she sniffed it out and was trying to pull it off the um, shelf. Doug was in another store, and then he came over to the pet store with us, and I said, let's go back, and if she picks the same toy again, we'll get it. And she was sniffing the whole rack. Doug was watching her, and she went right for it. So, he she
0: said it's um, anatomically correct.
1: You said it's anatomically <laughs> correct, <laughs>
0: and it because it has the the penis. No, it has the um, it has the florets yes. and the stalk. Yeah, yes, just like you described. So it's pretty cool. Georgie really likes it, but it is. Uh, it's actually New Year's Day right now when we're recording this, and we um. We usually have like some sort of theme. I wouldn't say we have resolutions. Do you consider uh, what we're doing resolution-like?
1: Yeah. Well, it's not. We've gone back and forth over the years, and I think one of the problems with resolutions is they they peter out over time. You just kind of forget about them frequently. And so last year we did sort of like themes, like time boxed themes. So, and I think the idea was, well, I think it was from you. You read The Power of Habit and you said it takes like 30 days to solidify a habit. Is that right?
0: I think it's like 60 something odd days. There there have been multiple studies. I don't even remember what you're talking about exactly, but. um...
1: Well, the idea was, so we do sort of like monthly themes. And so I think like last year for one month, I wanted to eat like a whole piece of fruit every day. You know, whether it be an apple or a banana or whatever, just like a whole piece of fruit. Blueberry? And I, uh, yeah, bl- I, one blueberry. That's right. A grape. And I think the idea was I would do that for a month and then sort of I'm into the habit of it. It becomes sort of ingrained in me and then I can switch over to something else the next month. That's where I was going with that, with the power of habit.
0: Gotcha. And just, uh, I'll I'll do more research and maybe put a link in the, um, in the show notes. But I think there was some study where it was like 21 days. Um, but I think further studies showed that it would actually take longer. So like 57 or 60 or something like that. It's a little bit longer to actually like quote develop it into a habit. But anyway, the point is you have a couple things you're going to be working on this January.
1: You want me to go first? Mm-hmm. Great. I'm doing dry January, which means no alcohol for the whole month of January. I also did it last January, I believe. So, um, doing that, as Doug is drinking a beer right now, he asked me, since it is January 1st, he said, Will it bother you if I drink a beer? And I said, No, but um, it's gonna be a long 31 days. He'll be getting a lot of smooches. I'll be getting, try to get contact booze. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm doing that. And then I've also been having some knee problems. So, I'm going to do a 30 day yoga challenge. I actually ordered a yoga mat and it's a free YouTube challenge. Um, if we come back on, I'll let you know how that goes. I'm not going to promote this free challenge yet unless I think it's a good thing. But um, yeah, so I'm excited about that stretching, breathing, you know, being more at one with myself.
0: Nice. Yeah. And for me, so I usually, I like never did resolutions just because not really my thing, not interested. And you
1: can't improve on perfection.
0: Right. Can't improve. You know what? I usually try and do things like whenever I think I want to get started. So there's like no real point to wait until the new year, um, for me. And I think, maybe, I mean, that's always been my excuse. The same, I mean, if I was lazy, maybe I would say the exact same thing. But I actually do get started on things like earlier in the year or the tail end of the year. But anyway, um, I am going to meditate um, every day. And I actually started um, a similar thing last December. I think it was like to this exact point. It was like December 22nd last year, like 2017, I started meditating and I think I had like a 170 day streak or something like that. Like I did it for about, you know, not quite half the year, but, um, I'm going to get back started with that. And I mean, I enjoyed it, but for whatever reason, I just like tapered off in the middle of the summer.
1: What is your meditation philosophy? Do you like Say, um, do you have a word? Do you like visualize a candle? Like, what do you do? I say pizza, pizza, pizza over and over again, loud. yeah, <laughs> and then you eat it. That's not meditating, it makes yeah, <laughs> while I'm
0: waiting for the pizza to come out. Um, I say pizza, and then yep. Um, no, really, related, aren't there... <laughs> I gain a lot of weight during the meditation thing because it's really just a pizza eating thing.
1: Are there certain techniques? I don't meditate, so I don't.
0: Right. So I have been using an app called Calm. C-A-L-M. Is that how you spell it? Yeah. Um, Not C-L-A-M. That's Clam. But uh, I use Calm and it is just a guided meditation. There's a lot of different themes in there. Um,
1: Yeah, but what what do you do to quiet your mind?
0: Well, with the guided meditation, they tell you stuff and then, you know, it's silent for most of it. But every now and then they'll pop in and say, hey, you know, if your mind's wandering, which it basically always is like 99.9% of the time, just come back to whatever the theme is. Um, Generally, because I've meditated a lot without an app and usually I just try to focus on my breath and just not, I try not to think of anything. But it's really not that because you can't not think of something. It's just to, try and focus on your breath again. Um, One of the other, I just got back from the gym and I I sit in the sauna as well, um, like after I work out. And that is a really good place to, it's sort of meditative, like it's quiet in there, it's dark. There may be like one other person that pops in for a second, but if I could sit in there for like 15 minutes, it's very warm. I'm not, it's probably, I don't know, one 150 to 180 in there, something like that. There's no thermometer on the on the uh, sauna that I go to, but basically it's so hot that really you're thinking, this is really hot. I'm so sweaty. Like you're you're thinking about that, not about like other things that your mind may be distracted from, or to or whatever. So I'll I'll work on the meditation and I'm planning on like continuing it on th- like past January. I know it's a good habit for me to do. So, Sounds I, like
1: we're going to be really holistic and centered at the end of January.
0: Th- yeah, I would think so. I mean, I I will continue to drink beer. I've done the dry January before, but not the last couple years I've had. I think last year I had a beer event that I needed to like actually consume alcohol for beer judging. Um, and this year... Um, Technically, I could do it, but we are in a curling league, and a good portion of curling, you know, you can drink beer. So, I don't want to miss out on that, and a couple of our teammates work at one of the breweries, so the the beer does flow um, very plentifully.
1: Yeah, that's going to be, I think, the biggest challenge is curling Sundays, but we do have the one-off we have the one bye week, um, but you know what? There's always a reason, so I think I I think yeah. I'm going to be okay.
0: Yeah, and I mean, whenever we we did this a uh, couple of Januarys ago, it was you know we just it wasn't an option, so it really wasn't an issue, and we just didn't quite hang out as much with people that we would like meet at breweries, which a lot of our friends. Um, either work at breweries or they just visit often, you know, maybe once a week at least. So, a lot of times, if we were meeting up with people, it would be at a brewery. So, we just kind of buckled down and, uh, you know, didn't do much.
1: Yeah, and we're going to a concert uh, in a couple weeks. I got tickets for Christmas and Doug was like, hey, you know what? We can Uber to the concert. We can, we can get an Uber there and back. You know, it's only a couple miles. Why not? And I looked at him and I said, hey, it's dry January. You've got a driver all month. His eyes kind of lit up. I was like, oh, wow. That's oh, yeah, right. I do. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Elizabeth, for uh, hopping on for a minute here. Anytime. See you later. Now we're gonna hit the questions. This music is pretty cool. I have to say, um, I don't know if I'm cool enough to uh, line up with this music, but that's what we're working with right now. So first question here is, how much do niche sites earn with Amazon Associates? Now let me rewind a little bit and, well, talk about my favorite subject, which is myself. Now when I first got started back in 2013, I immediately tried to figure out how to get into a mastermind group. Again, another uh, thing that I picked up from Pat Flynn, I think he was talking about mastermind groups and how great it was to talk to people that were into the same things that you were and you're all making progress in the same direction and that sort of thing. Now, that first mastermind group only lasted like six weeks before people sort of stopped showing up and didn't take it seriously. But there was one guy in there who had been working on affiliate sites and niche sites for a couple years and he was making About three bucks a day and I remember I got off. It was like a saturday morning Um, I woke up early to do the meeting and I told my wife elizabeth Hey, uh, you know, i'm gonna meet with these people and um, you know, i'll we'll have a normal saturday after that Anyway, I got off the uh, skype call with these folks and I was like, there's this one dude He's making like three bucks a day and like That's amazing. Now, Elizabeth thought the same thing as I did. It's like, if we could just make a few bucks a day, it would be awesome. Maybe it's an extra dinner out. Maybe we could supplement the vacation budget. In fact, that was kind of the goal. If we could just make like $300 a month, we could take or do a little bit more on our vacations or something like that. Now, little did I know that a site could be earning hundreds of times more than that. And I, I did it. Know pretty quickly, and you can too. In fact, there's a lot of my students that have been able to like replicate my success as well. and, And every like many other people, not just me, there's lots of people doing this stuff. So, I'll get to the point now. The question is, how much can an Amazon affiliate site make? And the answer is, it's kind of impossible to answer. There's a huge range, some sites will make nothing. Most sites, to be honest with you, will make nothing because a lot of people don't follow through. I hope I hope you do follow through. Now, there's a couple of reasons why a person may not follow through or a reason why their sites end up not making any money. So number one, a person may not have enough time to work on the site. People have families, they have full-time jobs, they have hobbies, there's other stuff going on. The site gets neglected and it, it doesn't really take off at any point. Another reason a site may not make anything is because they picked the bad niche and they did bad keyword research. And then the third main reason is around poor content. And that's content that may be flawed in some way. It'll never rank in Google. For example, there's something called keyword stuffing. And that's basically overusing a keyword within the content. And it used to work like you know, a decade or 15 years ago, you used to be able to just keyword stuff, put your keyword all through the page and it would actually rank in Google. But the thing is, if you can get past those three main hurdles, then you'll probably be able to make a decent amount of money. So I'll give you a very broad sort of time range and amount that you could potentially make. All right. So this is uh, around disclaimers, so the, like, you may not make anything. You could do everything right and you may not make anything. That is unlikely, but these are just some broad examples. So that is my disclaimer. So you could make about $100 a month within four to six months if you get the process right. And I have seen people make about $1,000 per month within six to nine months. And additionally, when you go out a little bit further, um, you can make, say, 1500 to $5,000 or more once you're past nine months or so. After a year, the sky's the limit because the growth accelerates once your site is a little bit older. Again, there are a lot of caveats for the ranges I just mentioned. So keep that in mind. There are lots of steps in the process more than the four main phases that I mentioned earlier. And if you get you know one of the little steps wrong, you may have to go back to that step and fix it up. Most of the time, you can recover. Most of the time, your decision is reversible and it's not a huge deal. You can go back and fix it. Now, the other caveat, the even more positive caveat around the range is, basically, you could make a lot more a lot faster. So some of the upcoming episodes for this podcast will be interviews with people who implemented the keyword golden ratio or maybe they're a student in five figure niche site which is my premium course around creating a site and they've been able to make a lot more money um, than what i mentioned faster now they worked really hard some people worked on their site full time but maybe they were able to you know hit four thousand dollars a month Within like eight months eight or nine months and that is that is an actual example that will be in an upcoming episode There are a couple milestones that I'll sort of emphasize because A lot of people ask me specifically like via email or on my youtube channel Around making say one thousand dollars a month or more or ten thousand dollars per month Now, again, we'll rewind. And back in those early days when I first discovered making money online, I didn't know that normal people like us could make over four figures a month, not to mention someone making like 10,000 or 15 or 20,000 per month. And it blew me away just thinking about it. That's enough to replace full-time income for a lot of people. And of course, for some people, it is many times that. Now, that's motivation enough Um, for me at the time to get started and rank my site as quickly as possible. So I set a goal, the amount I wanted to make for my first Amazon affiliate site. And as I mentioned, it was about 300 bucks. I was like, if I can make about $300 a month within six to eight months, um, that's a success. I'd be thrilled with that. Now, whether you want to make 20 bucks a month or 400 a month or whatever, setting a goal can of course help you focus when you're building your site. I was able to reach that $300 mark much faster than I expected. And in fact, within six months on that first site, I made over $6,000. So it can happen really fast. One caveat is that was back in 2013. So things do take a little bit longer now, but I have seen people in the last year hit $6,000 a month within six months. There are a lot of examples on the YouTube channel where I've interviewed folks as well. So you could. Take a look there if you want to. You don't necessarily need a lot of content on your site to make good money. For example, I've been a part of a couple sites that maybe had 40 or 50 pieces of content and they were making $10,000 a month. In fact, I wrote a lot about this particular case. It was called Project Go White Hat. So if you wanna check that out, you can go over to nichesiteproject.com and then just search for that project, white hat, and there's a very long blog series about it. However, in contrast, a lot of times I do publish keyword golden ratio content. And in that case, it's a pretty low search volume. And in that case, maybe your site does have a lot of content, but don't let the amount of content deter you. If you're starting out, you're going to have to start with one post, just like everyone else, a long journey, right? What do they say? A long journey starts with one step. And, you know, then you finish it. There's a lot of steps you have to take, but you have to get started somewhere. The next question is, should I start an Amazon affiliate site? It seems like there are so many out there already. This is one of those questions that I think I had back in the day, but for some reason I was naive and arrogant enough, which those are two ingredients that you may need. I was that naive that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it anyway. And one of the reasons why is because I saw people who seemed like me. I saw my peers out there or just other folks who I thought, hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. So that is one of the reasons some of these upcoming episodes should be really interesting. These are just normal folks who started an affiliate site and they're making it work. Maybe it's a single parent. Maybe it's a stay at home mom. Maybe it's a software engineer with a full time job or an IT director with a full time job, whatever. The point is, this this question should I start an Amazon affiliate site? is very common. And here is, I kind of call it a permission question. And you could kind of substitute in like any business model. All right, so it may come in the form of, should I try Amazon Kindle publishing? Should I try Fulfilled by Amazon? What about drop shipping? I hear drop shipping's awesome. Maybe I should start a podcast or maybe I should do a YouTube channel. One of my friends does that. The point is, if you're listening to this podcast, and you consume um, other uh, sort of marketing and business-related, entrepreneurship-related content, whether it's a blog or a podcast or YouTube, you will end up hearing success stories from everywhere. Any business model can work. That's the secret here. Any business model can work. But what doesn't work well is if you try one of them, for six weeks, you make a couple of mistakes and then you move on to the next one. So for example, you can try Fulfilled by Amazon, but if you stick with it for you know six weeks, you make a few mistakes, you end up with a whole bunch of uh, widgets in your garage or something like that. And then you, you realize maybe you picked a bad product and then you switch over to starting a podcast. You work on that for six months. You're gonna end up, You know, number one, being very frustrated. You're going to be very frustrated because you're going to be failing at multiple different things. Now, one of the reasons why that is going to happen is whenever you start something new, whichever thing you pick, whether I mean, you could say open a restaurant or open a brewery or open a paper store or whatever. If you pick something, you're going to make mistakes. There's no way around it. The key is to not make the same mistakes again and again. You're making sort of like beginner mistakes in each of the cases. And what happens is you'll you'll do Amazon Kindle publishing and you'll make a few mistakes. You make those beginner mistakes and then you move over to an affiliate site and you will make mistakes there. Basically, you're never getting a chance to use the knowledge you gained by making that mistake. Yes, there are a few things that may transfer here and there, but if you are in the situation where you've tried like five or six things, and by the way, the reason I know this is I've done that. I skipped around. I tried a lot of different things, but only when I stuck with a specific thing, whatever it is, whatever I stuck with a specific thing, that's when it worked out. And I have a lot of students and I have a lot of people that contact me and they say, Hey, you know, I tried like these five or six things over the past four years, like nothing really stuck. And I really want to focus down on one thing because I realized that I was just making the same kind of beginner mistakes over and over again. So what's the punchline here? Should you start an Amazon affiliate site? Yes, you should start an Amazon affiliate site if you're interested in the, the concept, if you're interested in this business model. The key is don't try too much. Basically, you could start any of those things that I mentioned. You could do the Kindle publishing, fulfilled by Amazon, dropshipping, whatever. You could do all of those things. However, you cannot do all of them at once. You can start a podcast. You can start a blog. You can do an affiliate site, but just pick one at a time. And you'll be way better off focusing on one thing. You'll be less stressed out too, and you'll make more pro- progress in general. Now, I'm not different than you, right? We think we can do more than we really can. I am constantly taking on too many projects, and it's only through uh, just repeatedly making that mistake that I've realized that uh, the more things I cut out, the fewer things that I I focus on, the better those projects go. I make more progress and I'm less stressed out. So should you start an Amazon affiliate site? Yes. If, if Amazon affiliate sites aren't for you, start something, take action, just do anything. As long as you're making some progress to move forward, that is where you want to be. right that's it for episode one of the Doug show and if you like it please subscribe leave a review I really appreciate it if you do that Uh, hopefully we can get some reviews in like iTunes and and Stitcher or wherever you subscribe all right so really appreciate it I'm not 100% uh, sure how many episodes we're going to publish each week Um, it'll it'll at least be one episode per week here's what I'm thinking right now i'm going to do like one episode similar to this where it's sort of tactical i'd also like to do some interviews so some of those are going to be interviews with people uh, from the audience right success stories and i also want to do interviews with experts or people who own apps other entrepreneurs and that sort of thing the other little piece that i'm looking at is just having sort of a i guess sort of a random episode where Maybe I have a conversation with a friend of mine over some drinks or something like that. Basically just a random set of topics that I'm interested in. I've done this on my YouTube channel as well. Most of the time it's about affiliate marketing. Most of the time it's about productivity and it's really niched down. But other times I have a vlog where my my, uh, family came to visit me and we recorded some of that, and it's a lot more uh, sort of personal and just a conversation. The point is, I'm not 100% sure. So we'll see how it goes. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll catch you next time. I'm Doug Huntington.